Hello. We're going over the uh, John chapter 20. So we're kind of wrapping things up here. Um, taking a look at Jesus and his life and the implications that it has on us in our life. I love this last little interaction that Jesus has with his friends. It's a picture of, of the divinity of Christ. Because the story doesn't end with his death. There's all these memes that <laughs> I've seen floating around. Where it's like, just read the, just, 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 just started the Bible, uh, almost finished with it, but I can't believe the main character dies. <laughs> and it's like, uh, you know, a chapter later, he comes back to life. It's an amazing, um, yeah, it's an amazing climax when it comes to story and narrative. I think all of us feel that. Like if you, if we've seen the Avengers, uh, when they all die at the end of that one movie, Endgame, I think, or maybe the one before that. It doesn't feel right. Something feels off. It's because uh, I believe there's a narrative that's written within us. Or written outside of us. That we're created to press into. We're created to see and feel and desire resurrection. Life. Evergreen life. To the full. Death does not feel good. And we see Jesus is that character. He is the culmination of the hero archetype. That he faced death. That he entered the dark. That he himself sacrificed something so fully. It's just crazy. He literally embodied the hero archetype. Now, there's this guy, Jordan Peterson. I love him because he, he talked... Like, and when I say hero archetype, it's like all other heroes point and are a reflection or a shadow of him. That there is an archetype. There is a, a something that literally exists outside of you and I. An idea that we get glimpses of in the Marvel, Marvel movies and in the books and stories and songs we write. But the reality of those shadows is Jesus. And I think that's super cool. And Jordan Peterson has a really cool quote. He says, I don't know what happens when when somebody fulfills or lives out the hero archetype in its entirety or in its fullness. Maybe they resurrect. Maybe they literally come back to life. And that's Jesus, man. He lived it out. He pressed in. He, he sacrificed himself. A blameless sacrifice. And he did it perfectly. He was clutch. He hit the game-winning shot. I mean, he was up, but anyways. Um, that analogy kind of breaks down. But in chapter 20, we see the resurrection. We see that the disciples and Mary and the folks that had been following Jesus are extremely sad, extremely disappointed. They've kind of, they had left his side, and the last interaction they had with him was watching him just get murdered. People make fun of him. People poke fun of him. It was a wild experience for them. They, they weren't sure if the man they followed was crazy, if he was cursed, if he was blessed. can't imagine that they're, 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 they're a little nervous and felt like they've wasted the past few years of their life, the things that they'd hoped for. And this was the Christ. It kind of shattered with him taking his last breath on the cross. It's so funny, though, because if you remember, Jesus constantly is like, hey, guys, I'm going to die. 
don't worry, I'm gonna resurrect. <laughs> like, what do you mean, Jesus? He's constantly telling them, th them this before he dies. So it's really interesting and funny to see their reaction. And it makes sense. I mean, we, we're there too. I think you and I constantly forget or don't dwell on or think through the resurrection. We think that this life is it. And we operate and live out of that. We live in a dog-eat-dog kind of way. Because we think, I'm going to get mine. That's not always healthy. Or at least it's not, it doesn't feel right. Because when, when, when our parents die or when our kids die, when death hits us or touches us in any capacity, when things fall apart, when we lose our jobs, we don't know what to do. But with Jesus, there is hope of life after death. see that uh, Mary uh, goes to the tomb to kind of check on it and the tomb is open. She's nervous that somebody's stolen the, stolen the body. She goes and gets Peter. Peter and John come. They check it out. They're a little confused as well. They leave and Mary's walking away and somebody starts talking to her and she thinks it's the gardener. But in actuality it's Jesus and he finally says her name, Mary. She weeps bows down to him. He says, woman, I love what Jesus says there. He says, woman, don't cling to me. <laughs> it's like some variation of that. We got It's like a stage five clinger, you know. Mary's getting a little clingy at this point, which I think is pretty funny. He says, I'm going, uh, I want you to go tell the others that I'm going to, to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And I love this statement here because it's almost as if Jesus has broken the veil. Right? He's created this, this um, peace between us and the Father. That it's, it's, it's done. It is finished. That we are made righteous in Him. Righteous meaning things are right between us and God. Things are right between us and the Father. That things are restored and we can live into that. We're a part of the family. We've been bought back. And that, I think the idea of buying us back had existed and was, it's like the father intentionally sent the son to buy us back. It's not like he was angry at us and like, oh, I don't like them. Oh, now Jesus died. Oh, now I like them. It's like, no, it was the father's idea to send Jesus. But I think the moment in history is, it's a, it's a climax. It's a crux. It's very important. It's something to celebrate that's what Jesus is pressing into here that finally in reality you can become a part of the family and Mary's astonished she's blown away we see that the disciples uh, and Jesus's buddies that he'd spent a lot of time with are cowered up in a room kind of lock the doors they're nervous they don't want to get in trouble Jesus appears to them and the first thing he says is peace It's funny. It sounds like pretty religious, but you gotta, you gotta imagine that they're a little nervous, right? Because like the last interaction they all had with Jesus was they ran away. So you gotta think like they're a little nervous. Like, oh, my, he's back! Like the last thing we did was run away from him. We abandoned him, and Jesus, he just he clears the air. He's like, hey, peace be with y'all. Like it's cool. I understand. I know you guys ran away. 
that's cool. <laughs> he tells him, I think he tells him peace twice, which is pretty interesting and neat. Thomas, though, isn't at this interaction, one of Jesus' buddies. So Jesus leaves, and Thomas is like, no way you guys saw him. There's no way. There's ten other guys that saw him. I'm like, no way. You didn't see him. Until I touch his hands, feel the mark in his side, I'm not going to believe. So Jesus appears eight days later. And I think that's amazing that, 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 that Jesus stayed, or that the, these ten buddies stayed with Thomas. They didn't kick him out. They didn't call him stupid. They didn't call him dumb. After all, they got to touch Jesus. So it's kind of a bummer that Thomas didn't. And Jesus then appears eight days later. And again, peace. So all right, guys, chill. Thomas, I know not only did you run away when I got killed, but also you didn't believe these guys when I showed back up. You believe because you saw, but blessed are those who believe and didn't see. That's pretty interesting. I think that's the boat that you and I stand in for the most part. And I think it's pretty interesting that Jesus appeared to these guys and uh, many others as well. Paul says he appeared to over 500 folks. They saw him, talked to him walked with him the resurrected jesus so much so that the uh, you know from this moment they they boldly proclaimed it to their death not one of these 10 guys 11 guys recanted on it said no it's a lie we're just making it up no they claimed to see him to touch him again it's not like this we saw him in a dream or something like that it's like no we literally ate fish with him John then goes to talk about that, the, 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 you know, not even not even all the libraries of the earth could fill up enough books to capture the personality, the works, the life, the teachings, the, 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 the being of Jesus, the miracles that he did, the things that he said. Not all the libraries, not all the books in all the libraries. And I love that sentiment. I think it's super important. Jesus himself is he, he is he is God in the flesh. But his char- the depth of his character runs so much deeper than you and I. If you and I are 3D, Jesus is 5D. If you and I are playing checkers, Jesus is playing 5D chess. The depth of who he is is so expansive and so I mean think about it he's the guy that created dolphins music he's the ruler of chaos and order he created art architecture infrastructure communication language itself Jesus is called the word And I love it because in Jesus we get a picture of the God of God, and we can we can get a glimpse—not just a glimpse, but see the fullness of, of God in Jesus. And I think that's really cool and really neat. And I think it's something to be said that you know. I, I think the Christian journey doesn't get boring, or shouldn't. 
I know people who are like, oh, I've already read the Book of Mark, so it's like, you know, I've already heard all those stories, so they're kind of boring. It's like, ah, then you're reading them wrong. Maybe you don't quite grasp or get the depth of, 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 of Jesus and who he is. Keep reading them. Keep pressing in. And maybe you're in, a dry, in like a dry season. I hate that term, but I don't know. Things just feel a little off. I feel like I'm there right now. I think it's okay to take a step back, to pray, to read, to consistently and continually press in. But just evaluate, you know? Are you reading to read? Or are you trying to interact with the living, breathing Jesus? I think that's really important, too. I think I forget that. Sometimes I feel like I'm studying a history book or I get, just get very like intellectual when I'm reading or praying or any of that stuff. It's like, yo, Jesus is literally breathing at this moment. His heart is beating. He is alive. He's not just some idea or figment of your imagination. He is living, breathing. He has a personality. He has thoughts. He has wants. He has desires. Behold, he stands at the door and knocks. And it's not in a judgmental way. He stands at the door and he wants to come in and eat with you. I think that's really cool too. He doesn't want to like sit down with you and have this scolding meeting. He, he, literally, he wants to share a meal with you. That's what John says in, in, in the book of Revelation. I love that. I love that picture. Jesus loves you deeply. He cares about you. He'll bring peace. He'll show up. press into him because the depth of his character the depth of his virtue is written all over you I mean it's like it's it's what created you you know it's what you were you were made to reflect so the more you press into that and live into that I think the more alive you feel just like like the toys like from Toy Story you know when they live out their purpose which is to be toys to be played with they feel alive, and I think in the same way when we live out our purpose to reflect the image of God, we feel joy. And we feel meaning we feel, if things feel right. And God has brought, brought us into that family. We don't have to do it alone. Anyways, love you all. Hope you're all well. Hope you guys have enjoyed this. If you've liked this, share it with a friend. Follow me on Instagram, Chris A. Neal. Um, these are more for me than anybody else, just because it forces me to unpack the truth of who Jesus is. Um, yeah. Love y'all. Bye.